Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll check them out and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. Excuse me. It is April the 6th, and on this day in 1917, two days after the U.S. Uh, Senate voted 82 to 6 to declare war on Germany, the U.S. House of Representatives endorsed the declaration by a vote of 373 to 50, and America formally entered World War I. When World War I erupted in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson pledged neutrality for the United States, <clears throat> a position that the vast majority of Americans favored. Britain, however, was one of America's closest trading partners, and tensions soon rose between the United States and Germany over the latter's attempt to quarantine the British Isles. Several U.S. ships traveled to Britain, with damage, were damaged or sunk by German mines, and in February 1915, Germany announced an unrestricted warfare against all ships, neutral or otherwise, that entered the war zone around Britain. One month later, Germany announced that the German cruiser had sunk the William B. Fry, a private American vessel. President Wilson was outraged, but the German government apologized and called the attack an unfortunate mistake. On May the 7th, the British-owned Lusitania ocean liner was torpedoed without uh, warning just off the coast of Ireland. Of the 1,959 passengers, 11... 1,198 were killed, including 128 Americans. The German government maintained that the Lusitania was carrying munitions, but the U.S. demanded reparations and, in the end, to German attacks on unarmed passenger and merchant ships. In August, Germany pledged to see the safety of passengers before sinking unarmed vessels. But in November, sunk an Italian liner without warning, killing 272 people, including 27 Americans. With these attacks, public opinion in the United States began to turn irrevocably against Germany. In 1917, Germany, determined to win a war of attrition against the Allies, announced the resumption of unrestricted warfare in uh, war zone waters. Three days later, the United States broke off diplomatic relations with Germany, and just hours after the American liner Housatonic uh, was sunk by the German U-boat, on February the 22nd, Congress passed a $250 million arms appropriations bill intended to make the United States ready for war. In late March, Germany sunk four more U.S. merchant ships, and on April the 2nd, President Wilson appeared before Congress had called for a declaration of war against Germany. Four days later, his request was granted. On June the 26th, the first 14,000 U.S. infantry troops landed in France to begin training for combat. After four years of bloody stalemate along the Western Front, the entrance of America's well-supplied forces into the conflict marked a major turning point in the war and helped the Allies to victory. When the war finally ended on November the 11th, 1918, more than 2 million American soldiers had served on the battlefields of Western Europe, and some 50,000 had lost their lives. Sad indeed. And of course, Woodrow Wilson called this the war to end all wars and went off to Versailles in order to make a peace treaty that uh, was going to somehow save the world, but ended up badly treating the Germans and led to World War II. Well, staff and Governor uh, Ron DeSantis' office responded to the news of left-wing candidate Brandon Johnson being elected to the new mayor of uh, uh, Chicago. The mayoral race had been inundated by concerns from residents about the crime rate, That distress reportedly led to current Democrat Major Lori Lightfoot's downfall as she sought re-election. Johnson faced moderate Democrat Paul Vallis in the runoff Tuesday. In the past, Mayor-elected Johnson had reportedly faced many questions about his defund the police movement and and, uh, position. In 2020, he reportedly said defunding the police is actual, real political goal. 
Johnson also sponsored a non-binding resolution that said that money should be redirected from policing uh, and incarceration into social services. Can you imagine that? Lori Lightfoot hasn't made Chicago safer, but I will, Johnson said in one of his ads, apparently denying the laws of cause and effect. It's time to get smart, not just tough, said Johnson. Governor Ron DeSantis' press secretary, Brian Griffin, called the election saddening. Extremely saddening to watch America's great cities fall by the willful destruction of leftists, he said. Florida's experienced a 50-year record low crime rate in year-over-year Crime in Florida is down nearly 10%, according to governor's office. The governor's previously enacted the most pro-law enforcement pac- uh, policy package in the nation. The legislation encourages Floridians to join the law enforcement profession and incentivizes out-of-state law enforcement professionals to bring their skills to the Sunshine State. So Florida uh, apparently understands the laws of cause and effect, and uh, this Johnson character, uh, who's the new mayor, in Chicago, it doesn't. It's so sad to see a great city like Chicago uh, suffer the consequences of this kind of, or for the lack of leadership. Democrat Robert F. Kennedy has pledged, Jr., has pledged challenge to challenge Joe Biden in his 2024 re-election bid, joining Marianne Williamson as one of the few Democrats to do so. The nephew of the former President John F. Kennedy and son of equally iconic brother Robert F. Kennedy Jr. filed a statement of candidacy Wednesday with the Federal Election Commission, according to the Associated Press. Excuse me, Johnson. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy has made no formal statement on the matter, but has been vehemently critical of Biden's administration, especially as it pushes for the coronavirus vaccine mandate. He also spoke about a presidential run in March uh, of this year. I'm thinking about it, he said in that statement, and I've passed the biggest hurdle, which is my wife to uh, green light it, he said during a visit to St. Anselm College. We can't advance ourselves as people by leaving our poor brothers and sisters behind. The things that define our nation are uh, these communities, and they are based on the Constitution, he added. When mulling his presidential run, Kennedy issued a sharp rebuke to pharmaceutical industry and to the government's failure to re, uh, regulate big business. We pay more for medicine and more for pharmaceuticals. We consume three times more pharmaceutical drugs than other Western nations, and we have the worst health outcomes, Kennedy said. Should Kennedy make a formal announcement, a, f- a fair amount of his platform will be likely mirror that of uh, Marianne Williams who also criticized pharmaceutical companies as well as Biden administration relationship with big business. A new poll by Echelon Insights shows Williamson's backed by a double-digit percentage of likely Democrat voters. The survey, which is conducted from March 27th to 29th, shows the long-shot contender with 10% of likely Democrat voters saying they'd probably or definitely back her. Uh, in my opinion, I don't know if you've read uh, The Real Anthony Fauci, but it is a great read, well-footnoted, well-documented, and uh, highlights uh, what's happened to us under the guidance of the FDA, CDC, and Big Farm, big pharmaceutical companies. So uh, of all the Democrats, if we had to have a Democrat president, I would certainly support Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, I think he's a great man, honest man. I've no doubt there'll be some, there would be some... Uh, uh, money spent on all kinds of social programs and so forth, but uh, I think he's a man of integrity, unlike uh, what I see with most of the leaders in the Democrat Party. Earlier this week, the FBI, along with law enforcement from 16 other countries, brought down Genesis Market. Now, what is Genesis Market? Well, the Russian-linked online marketplace allows cyber criminals to shop around for stolen emails, passwords, and IP addresses. Hackers could pay anywhere from 70 cents to hundreds of dollars to gain access to victims' bank accounts and services like Netflix and Amazon. On top of that, Genesis Market also sold programs that allows continuous access to victims' personal information, meaning hackers got every password and login update. Since 2018, Genesis Market has been one of the biggest marketplaces for stolen information, offering more than 80 million account credentials. Now authorities are touting the takedown, saying it should serve as a warning to cyber criminals. International authorities worked together to get the invitation needed to access General Market, the operation dubbed Operation Cookie Monster, a reference, of course, to the uh, browser cookies. 
seized 11 domains and allow, uh, belonging to the organization. Then, as the U.S. likes to do often, authorities waved their victory flag by putting a banner on the site, citing it had been seized. Law enforcement also arrested nearly 120 users, including suspects in the U.S., in the second time in the month that uh, international law enforcement brought down an illegal hacking operation, intelligence analysts warned it's only a matter of time before a new network could be up and running. But for now, the Justice Department is calling the latest tech down, takedown a blow to the cybercrime ecosystem. <clears throat> well, we need more of that. I'm pleased uh, about this announcement. I don't know about you, but boy, I'm not clicking on anything that I don't recognize. And uh, these guys are just... Uh, I, I, in in my mind, uh, this is a real uh, war against the internet here with these uh, echoes, these uh, cybercrime echo ecosystem members. So uh, thank you for the government for doing that, and uh, we need more of it. Well, the Chinese spy balloon saga burst back into the headlines this week with revelations that Beijing likely gathered far more information than previously acknowledged, raising fresh questions about the Biden administration's honesty and its decision to allow their device to traverse the entire United States before it was shot down. Intelligence officials confirmed Monday that the Chinese balloon gathered intelligence from several sensitive U.S. military sites and transmitted back to Beijing, despite the administration's claim it blocked the transmissions. <laughs> That's so absurd. The device was clearly controlled, in some cases made multiple passes, even figure eights over sensitive sites, the official said. Members of Congress confirmed that the administration's false story not only insulted Americans, but it risked national security by lulling policymakers into thinking little had been spied on for several weeks. Fred Fleets, a retired CIA officer who served in the National Security Council's chief of staff under President Donald Trump, said career intelligence experts never believed that Biden's administration initial account, uh, but it went on unchallenged in the news media for weeks. It's so amusing because the administration said it was a spy balloon, but claimed it didn't do any spying. Now, as an intelligence officer, I knew that couldn't be true, he said. There had been a ridiculous claim that, that we let the spy balloon fly across the United States because we wanted to spy on the spy balloon. I knew that wasn't true either, said Fleets. When asked about the new intelligence, the Defense Department this week directed reporters to remarks from February in which senior officials said the balloon's intelligence gathering uh, abilities were limited and were similar to what Bi Beijing said. So in other words, they turtled, they just pulled, hunkered down and uh, didn't address the issues that were being raised. Fleet said the claim, too, was misleading. They also lied, in their, and, and they said, well, look, it doesn't matter because balloons don't gather much information, and Chinese have satellites, he explained. And I told you when we talked about this that it's not true either. Balloons are a very capable intelligence platform, very valid. The U.S. uses them as well, said Fleet's. President Joe Biden was mocked on social media this week after the new intelligence reports surfaced as critics looped video of his claim had protected the company country. We're able to protect sensitive sites against collection, the president said back in February. <clears throat> Fleet said the president's misstatements not only were a political credibility problem, it signaled to allies and adversaries alike that the United States was willing to be so weak in its response to China's violation of U.S. airspace that it would make up a cover story. So sad. They're not saying things that we don't know that are not true. It's all spin. And look, when the president and the White House press secretary and secretary of state repeatedly tell lies about national security, the world just uh, not going to believe us and we're not going to follow and they're not going to follow us. It just makes the world so much more dangerous because America is not able to lead under this president. So sad and so true. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at uh, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Their website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, well, you should know that uh, most health insurance plans here in the United States don't cover international travel. And you want to travel with confidence and security. And you can do that with very short money uh, in your travel plans by visiting internationalhealthplans.com. Internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, we're a grassroots uh, coalition. Uh, we've grown to over 250,000 people here in Florida. Uh, we have leaders in 20-plus counties. And we really focus on K through 12 education uh, from a couple of different angles. Uh, we spend a lot of energy in the legislative cycle uh, trying to improve our schools, uh, supporting concepts like school choice, uh, stopping the indoctrination, getting rid of the pornography, et cetera, that's in our schools. Um, we also have these community teams. Uh, their role is to engage the community in what's going on in the school system and help parents and local community members uh, understand there are some uh, really better competitive alternatives with outcomes for their children. And, of course, we focus on out, uh, on solutions to provide those outcomes. So that's the broad brush answer, Bob. Yeah, no, thank you for that, Keith. GoFLCA.com is the website. GoFLCA.com. I hope you'll check it out. And, again, Keith and uh, Pastor Rick have done a terrific job in uh, gaining access as well as influence to uh, the powers that be in Tallahassee and uh, certainly have helped very positive changes in uh, the Florida public education. So uh, I got a notice uh, from you earlier this week. Uh, there's a, a book out called Assassination Classroom. You're taking exception to, and uh, maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, it's actually a, a, a graphic series uh, of novels. Um, our, our extended team, uh, as I think I mentioned, we have groups in over 100, uh, 100 grassroots groups we work with in many of the counties. And uh, one of our partner groups up in Hillsborough uh, found this book, Assassination Classroom. 
it's a very graphic novel uh, of kids uh, killing their teacher uh, with AR-15s and guns. Uh, And it it shows you a series of graphs that, uh, I mean, are just beyond the pale. Um, What's interesting is uh, our sister group, uh, CCTF, Concerns Citizens Defense Classrooms, or three other school districts, I'm sorry, two others, so a total of three, Hillsborough, Polk, and uh, Osceola County. Uh, Florida Citizens Alliance has done a public or a, uh, an action alert to all 67 counties, the superintendents and the school board members in all 67 counties, urging them to investigate this and if they find them to pull the book or the series of books. This, this book is graphically telling kids that that it's okay to teach your kid, uh, t- kill your teachers. Yeah. Uh, when you when you we have quotes from the uh, uh, from the uh, chairman of the uh, school board in Hillsboro that says ba- they found seventy copies of this in the, in their school district. Wow. And uh, her response was, uh, uh, "Please submit your challenge. This is America. We do things through a democratic process. So there's a form you can pick up and submit your complaint. Uh, no concern about." You know, if there's a school shooting uh, that's a, that can be connected in any way or inspired uh, by this novel series, can you imagine the heads will roll? Yeah. And and the kids will, and, and we're going to lose some kids over it. So that's it. Um, Polk County Superintendent said uh, that we'll take a look at your email, but uh, we'll have to review to see if there's any violation of Florida statute. So creating and inspiring an unsafe environment doesn't violate Florida statute. I think it's very clear that it does. Well, I, I, I think your your uh, your concerns are extremely well founded. I do. I worry about this uh, book banning theme that's going through the Democrat Party right now, and what's happening in Florida. But wouldn't it make more sense, Keith, for these books, if in fact uh, they should be on a list, and if in fact uh, the kids want to take the book out and, and read it, they would have to get uh, written per- consent from their parents. Um, there are several counties that are going down that that avenue. Um, I guess I would argue that why would taxpayers be spending why why would uh, the schools be spending taxpayer money for books that are you know sexually inexplicit uh, are sexually explicit um, that are grooming kids at very young ages? Yeah, uh, this is a public safety issue. I mean. I, I, we get accused of banning books all the time, and 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 yet we're we're a, a state that has obscenity laws that are just being ignored. Yeah. So we we either have a rule of law or we don't, and we certainly ban guns, right? We prohibit guns. We prohibit drugs. You can't even take an aspirin yeah. without a parent's permission, and yet you can unleash this sexually explicit material, and in this case, violent material. Yeah. Um, uh, on young, unimpressionable, very impressionable kids. Yeah, so don't, just, don't misunderstand. I'm, I'm certainly not defending the the uh, information or the the books themselves, but what I am, you know, a gun is a gun. Everybody recognizes that's a gun. <laughs> but uh, as the Supreme Court has said, you know, uh, you, you know pornography when you see it. But in other words, it's very difficult to define. So my point is only this, that, uh, in fact, if we want to be a free country, we shouldn't make these things unavailable. We should just make sure that unless you're 18 years of age, you can't access this through the public school system unless you get parental permission. permission. So it's uh, just to be a, a bit argumentative, is it okay if a parent says uh, the school could have a triple X um, sex-rated movie, that it's okay to have the, the school distribute those? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a slippery slope. Uh, it is indeed. It's a, I think it's hopefully our legislators, our deliberative bodies of, that create our laws, will take a close look at this issue because you know what? It's it's a slippery slope. And again, I just don't want us to get in the position where we're quote unquote banning books because that's a human that is a human uh, decision about whether it's it makes the cut or not. And uh, <clears throat> it's. I would just argue these are minors. And we yeah. have a, uh, our society has a responsibility under the law to protect our minors. Absolutely, uh, we we have laws that say that, and those laws are being ignored. Yeah, because people are trying to use adult law um, in, a, in a in a situation that involves minors. Yeah, um, so all great you know, points. 
All great yeah. points, okay. Keith. So, I mean, I, but it, the point is, I'm, <clears throat> I'm hoping that these issues will be discussed in deliberative bodies uh, and uh, make good decisions. So, uh, before I let you go, though, I understand you have a, a micro school symposium coming up. Yeah, on the 29th uh, we, uh, of April. Uh, it'll be at uh, the collaboratory in, in Fort Myers. Uh, the purpose of that is to help moms and dads who are frustrated by what's going on in their schools realize just how easy it is for them to start a one-room schoolhouse or a mini or a micro. Uh, it has various connotations. You'll hear people call them pods. Yeah. But it is really, really simple for a couple of families to come together. And uh, we formed a partnership with four different um, pro content providers uh, that, that have... Uh, very Christian, God-centric curriculum and services. And so we're just trying to help uh, parents uh, realize how easy it is to get the kids out of, uh, you know, this environment, which is, you know, public school environments are full of violence, drugs. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 they're just socializing their kids into a world that uh, most of us can't understand today, let alone what it'll turn into. So I'm hopeful that our listeners will go to your website, goflca.com, and find out more about micro schools. <clears throat> they are an innovation, and uh, as you're pointing out, not that difficult to get started. So, uh, again, goflca.com. Keith, always appreciate the terrific work you're doing to improve public education here in Florida. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Have a great weekend. You have a great Easter, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up. <clears throat> I'm going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Right now, Neil Simon's Barefoot in the Park is running, and it is hilarious. People are loving it. You definitely want to see it. It's running through April the 16th, and you can get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org golfshoreplayhouse.org Coming up, going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977 and we advocate 
the traditional American ideals of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Uh, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for that, uh, Michael. So uh, I understand that uh, there's been some suggestions on the SNAP program. Of course, that's the uh, food stamp program for uh, the indigent or the poor. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the question that comes to mind uh, is, uh, how about the nutritional value of the things that people can buy with those programs? So this is an issue because uh, SNAP is part of the farm bill that Congress has that Congress reauthorizes uh, periodically. Yep, and it is a program that is supposed to not only subsidize food consumption for the poor, but subsidize uh, nutritious food consumption for the poor. And yet, uh, according to my uh, colleague at Cato Institute, uh, Chris Edwards, who's our um, uh, director of uh, budget studies, uh, about 23% of food stamp spending goes to junk food, yeah. like potato chips, cakes, candy bars, snack crackers, cookies, and ice cream. And it amounts to about $25 billion a year that the federal government spends to subsidize junk food. Now, this is a concern because, uh, as you probably know, obesity is on the rise in the United States. Uh, uh, Chris Edwards also cites data showing that the share of adults who are obese was in the late 1970s about 15%, but it's about 42% today. Yeah. So you've got this rise in obesity, and you've also got the uh, federal government subsidizing. And I should mention, uh, we've seen similar growth in obesity among children. Uh, the share has risen from 6% in the late 1970s to 20% today. So we've got rising obesity rates, and we've also got this government program that is subsidizing uh, consumption of junk food, spending yep. $25 billion <clears throat> a year on it. And now Congress is trying to decide, are we going to reauthorize this farm bill or not? And I, I, I think that uh, uh, that what these data point to is that uh, Congress should not be reauthorizing this farm bill, or at least they should not be reauthorizing the SNAP program. If any, uh, they should be eliminating the program entirely and leaving it to states to decide huh. whether and how to subsidize food consumption among the poor, not only because this is not a federal responsibility, but also, and maybe even uh, as important, because if it's the states that are doing this, They'll experiment with different ways to uh, to improve uh, uh, healthy, helpful food consumption among the poor, and we will see which strategies work best. And states will be able to emulate the strategies that work and discard the strategies that don't. In the way that, and you'll get that experimentation and learning in a way that you just can't yeah. when the federal government is running one program for the entire nation. I think that's a great idea. I mean, each state is a petri dish of experimentation for uh, for the laws. But can you imagine Joe Biden and his administration allowing? Uh, the transfer of the SNAP program to uh, to the states. I mean, that is political. Uh, that would be not politically expedient. And we know that the Biden administration doesn't do anything. unless It's politically expedient. Uh, that is true. It would be a heavy lift. And it's probably politically infeasible at this time. Yeah. Because there are so many industry lobbies that uh, that, that go to Washington to preserve these sorts of subsidies, and it would be very hard to overcome the opposition of those lobbies to one of these uh, to that sort of a proposal. But the, the Congress does have the power to limit what people can use their uh, food, their SNAP subsidies on, um, and so that is that's a more politically feasible approach that could reduce the size of the yeah. program and uh, lead to more nutritious uh, uh, food consumption by SNAP recipients. Okay, so maybe you could clarify. <clears throat> My <clears throat> guess is you've, you're probably aware that <clears throat> the sugar lobby has done a lot of finger-pointing at fat in food. So they're, they're the big movement now is to eliminate get fat-free this and fat-free that. 
uh, actually it's sugar that's the killer and uh, it just makes me wonder how much damage has been done by the sugar lobby to make sure that people are focusing on the wrong thing. So that's hard to say. You know, there's a big debate over uh, what is the bigger contributor. Is it uh, uh, to obesity? Is it fats or sugars? Should be people be eating uh, higher carb diets or higher protein diets? Was the government's recommendation of high carb diets for decades partly responsible for uh, the rise in obesity? We don't know uh, for sure, Yeah. Uh, but one thing that is for sure is that there are these uh, industry lobbies that are trying to capture these government programs and government regulations, uh, making arguments that their products are uh, more helpful and it's their uh, competitors' products that are less so, and uh in the political process, the person who or, or the groups that win these debates are not necessarily the ones that are most persuasive. They're the ones with the most political influence. Yeah, it's so, so and, sad indeed. And these are all questions that they should be slugging out in the marketplace where they cannot capture the, the, the regulators or the subsidizers and give their products the imprimatur of the U.S. government. Yes. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture says you should buy more of our products. Yeah, uh, they they should have to slug that out in the marketplace, where the decision making uh, mechanism is millions or hundreds of millions of individual consumers. You can't capture like that. You have to persuade. So true. Again, Michael Cam. Uh, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I mean, here's your snap card. Go out and get fat, get obese, and die. (laughs) It's it's, uh, it's clearly oversimplifying, but that's that's what happens when you get the government involved in the the process. And, Michael, I really appreciate uh, your uh, commentary here on the show. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Take care. You too. Thank you. All right. Coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Also brought to you by Social, Choice Social, a new, refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check out choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. He is a recent New resident in Belize, and his latest column, Belize, I guess I unilaterally seceded. Uh, Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the, on the show. Seton, I had you, I didn't have you piped up when oh. I welcomed you to the show, so thank you. It for, wasn't my fault? No, it wasn't Hello. your fault. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, yes, t- tell us about less government. It exists to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. It's lessgovernment.org. You can sign up for the uh, newsletter, and unlike big tech, we don't sell your data. That's exactly right, uh, and a, a great cause to reduce the size of government. Seton, uh, you moved to Belize, and uh, now you've concluded that you seceded from the union. Uh, <laughs> well, it was. Not, <laughs> I, I, I said I guess I did. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's yeah. it's not quite the same. When I um, when I was in seventh grade. I wrote a history paper, and this is going to shock a lot of Republicans. I wrote, a, I wrote a paper in seventh grade that said that because of the First Amendment's freedom to assemble or not assemble any way you wish, the southern states, pre-Civil War, had every right to leave the Union if they wanted. Mm-hmm. And Abe Lincoln was a war criminal for shooting at them to make them stay. And it's that's not the prism we're taught right. about the Civil War. I mean, we're told that it was about slavery. It was absolutely not about slavery at all. It was about taxes. Right. Um, the, 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 in fact, at one point during the war, when it was already obvious the North was going to win, Abe Lincoln went to the southern states and said, y'all can come back right now. You can keep your slaves. Just pay your back taxes. And the South said no, and the war continued. Hmm. The Emancipation Proclamation didn't apply to the four northern states that had slavery throughout the Civil War. <laughs> um, I've lived in one, Maryland. I almost lived in another, Delaware. They had slavery all throughout the Civil War. Um, so, yeah, so per the Constitution, they could leave if they wanted. And, you know, Fort Sumter, very quickly, Fort Sumter was, at that point, a, a, a enemy encampment in another country. Right. And the South kept saying, hey, hey, Lincoln, come get your stuff. And instead of getting his stuff, he kept fortifying. They get, they, the, Southern, the South Carolina militia kept catching him, sending more arms and men to Fort Sumter. So finally, after like four months, they said, okay, you keep trying to arm this place, so we're going to shoot at it. And that was the beginning of the Civil War. Now, flashing forward, I moved back to D.C. in 2006 after trying to sell 50 million records and not. I started working at the state level in Texas in politics, and I wanted to try to move up the food chain. So I moved to D.C. I'm from D.C. I didn't know anybody in politics, really, but I thought I'd take a shot. And so I moved back to D.C., and uh, almost immediately what stood out to me was, because I was, con- you know, you, you, when you compare and contrast, and this is even true in 2006, Texas Democrats with D.C. Democrats you notice a bit of a difference. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I had an argument with a guy at CPAC about 15 years ago. Not an argument, but he, he was almost in tears. Because I said, this isn't an ideological debate anymore. This is a war. This is, ideolo- this is a street fight. And he was almost in tears. He goes, well, I, I work with Democrats. I said, you work with Texas Democrats. Yeah. There's no Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> in Texas. Um, so... I almost immediately realized that the, the, the left's march to take over the Democrat Party had, by 2006, long ago succeeded. Uh-huh. And you can't negotiate with these people. No. You, you can't convince them of these people. So I immediately, you know, flashing back to my seventh grade perspective on secession, I said, you can't work with these people. And when I brought up secession or pulling back from these people... It was it was a universal low revulsion at the idea from our side. Yeah, and I, I noticed there were two main reasons for why our side didn't like the idea and still doesn't. One is human nature. 
humans are for the most part, myself definitely excluded, optimistic. Oh, it'll turn out all right in the end. To which I respond, um, no, it won't. Check, te- you know, see 10,000 years of oh, human history. Right. It almost, it almost never ends well. Uh, it's a great line from Cocktail when he breaks up with the uh, trophy woman. <laughs> I don't want it to end badly. It always ends badly or it wouldn't end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's part of the reason. The other part, and this is where it gets really disgusting if you're an actual conservative, DC's Conservative Inc. is making a lot of money on the system just as it's configured. Yeah. So they don't want to change it at all. And that's why it hasn't changed in decades. Um, that's why they co-opted and beat down the Tea Party. That's why they co-opted and beat down Pat Buchanan way back in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're making a lot of money off this system. They don't want to change it. And so they're propping it up as long as they can to wring every last dollar out of it before the whole thing collapses. Yeah. Now it's killed the country in the process, but that's, that's what's going on. And, you know, there are many thousands of lobbyists who exist under the gigantic lie that they can get leftists to li- listen to them. Yeah. No, they can't. And they know they can't. Yeah. But that's the whole lobby industry is I can get the other side to listen to me. And you're not negotiating with these people. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, you're just not. Look at, look at the history of the left. You're not. Neg- we've passed the point where anybody's left that's worthy of, you know, at the end of the day, Manchin votes like Schumer. He, he, he puts up a brave front because his state voted overwhelmingly for Trump. But if he lived in New York, he'd vote like Schumer. Yeah. There aren't any moderate Democrats. I mean, Sinema's a, 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 an outlier. She's a genuine mixed bag, and I respect her. Right. Mansion Mansion just happens to have a ge- geographical handicap to his voting leftism. He's representing West Virginia. So anyway, the point of all this is is there's we're thirty two you know, someone you know, the one when our side says, Let's take back DC, I'm like, Why do you want it? It's thirty two trillion in debt. The the, the bureaucracy's five trillion a year and overreaching in a trillion different directions. Let them have it. Why would we want it back? Yeah. So anyway, that's that. Hence, Belize, as I say. All right, hence, Belize. And I, I, if I didn't say this at the, in the beginning of the inter- interview, uh, Seton now lives in Belize, about three and a half hours from Belize City. I think it is. That's about right. Yeah, that's about right. So uh, a little less because they just finished the coastal highway. And it's uh, and uh, the reports are on a weekly basis. It's just a great place to be. Oh, it's a the, the, you know my favorite form of entertainment down here is telling native Belizeans that there's an honest to god political debate in the U.S. about whether or not men can get pregnant. <laughs> they think we're insane, and they're right. You remember the old the ancient saying: "Before the gods kill you, they make you crazy." Yeah, unbelievable. And we're in the crazy stage. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you'll visit uh, lessgovernment.org and just check out Seton's very interesting commentary. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day, sir. You as well. Thank you, Seton. All right, coming up, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue 
Cook Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. and They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, Bob, it's my turn. Some, some fireworks down at City Hall yesterday. Uh, Got to tell you, in the amount of time we have, um, so they, John Pasadomo and the Athens group appeared yesterday with their final um, site plan. Everything was done that they had asked for. Um, they presented. They have their, 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 their people present, you know, to do the presentation and everything. Everything is good. They get ready. The council gets ready to discuss it. McCabe comes out like a wild man. Well, you know, things are going to change. Uh, the golf course is going to change. Certain things are going to change. I'm not comfortable with this. I think we should continue it. Okay? You can see the writing. You know what I mean, Bob? You can see the writing on the wall. All now, right? were, were you talking about the Naples Beach Hotel? Yes, the Naples Beach Hotel. Sorry. Oh. Um, yep, the new Four Seasons. So that starts it off. And then Mr. Hutchison decides he's going to jump right in on it. Uh, and he jumps in and he continues along. Yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable with the conservation easement or uh, something. You know, he, he picks on something. The mayor, of course, has uh, um, uh, her usual questions that make no sense. So how do you answer something that makes no sense? That's difficult <laughs> yeah. at best, okay? Right. Um, and, um, and last but not least, dear Miss Petronoff. So when it comes to the vote... They voted down 4-3 to continue it, okay? They gave them a list yesterday of about five or six things that they want them to bring back. They want a special meeting, uh, which they scheduled for May. So this puts them back. They were ready to um, go before the uh, – put their plans in before the Design Review Board next week, okay, um, and move it right along. This was the last time that the site plan would have to be – before the city council, okay? The things that they ask them to bring back uh, to them are almost impossible. Like John Pastorino said, how do we do this? How can we bring back something that we don't know what exactly it's going to look like, but you will see it. It's not like we're going to hide it from you. Everything that we do has to come back before you if there's any change. Right. That makes sense to you, Bob? does to me. You know, it helped me understand, though, that they they demolished the old beach hotel. I mean, it's, it's, Oh yeah. They've even started a construction, if I'm not mistaken. And how can they, how can the city council step in at this point and have objections? Well, no, th- this was the final site plan. They can, because what would happen, Bob, is it would revert back. If this thing were turned turn down, it would revert back to the 2019 uh, set of plans that were submitted. Oh, Okay. Uh, and they would it would cost them seven months or eight months to be to have to do that. It was disgraceful. I mean, I got to tell you, in, um, in 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 all my years, I'll say that too often to you. Um, this made me sick to my stomach watching that. And you could kind of see the writing on the wall. I mean, they worked their butts off mm-hmm. to get this just right. It was the, the final one. They had all their 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 ducks in order, so to speak. Um, uh, everything is ready to go, and now 
They sent them out there like, um, uh, you know, like dogs with dogs with their tail between their legs um, uh, and, and not knowing what you have to do and how you're going to do it is another impossibility. I mean, McCabe was like a wild man. Um, huh. Those guys got to go, Bob. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. But I, I can't I can't put it any 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 stronger. They they are they are bad. So when is the next election? Well, next election will be next March. This coming March yeah. in twenty twenty four. So uh, yep. whose uh, seat is up for uh, reelection? Okay. Well, Heitman is, huh. um, and I I would pray that she's not running again. Um, uh, Heitman is. Hutchison is, um, I believe. Uh, Perry is, and um, and McCabe. Uh, that, that, that's what I think. Maybe Hutchison isn't, but McCabe, but uh, Blankenship is. Blankenship is. Uh huh. So you so you got four, but um, I'm telling you, uh, they 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 have to go. Uh, not so much Blankenship. He's he's come around pretty well, but um, uh, and then the last thing, real quick, is that. You know the uh, the Naples try that's been going on for 36 years, the triathlon that yeah. they have every year. Well, yesterday they continued that the 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 registration was supposed to start today online. They continued that because of safety issues, alleged safety issues that they didn't have enough police officers. Um, the organizers said, "Look, we'll cover this. We've been doing this for 36 years. We know what's going on." <laughs> so you got to be they, kidding. No, I'm not. So they postponed that, and they're going to try and work with the organizers to find another date or another place. Now, this is two months away. It's always the first week in June. I do it. I ought to know. I'm, I don't run it, but I, I'm the one that hands out all the the, uh, the silverware to, you know, to the winners. Yeah. And um, uh, so now that's on hold. So I'm telling you, and they have meetings after meetings after meetings. Um, it's... Uh, just sad for me to say. Period. You so, know, so what? What is the? Uh, where is the new concern about safety on that event? I mean, I've. I've uh, they, okay. So the new the new concern about safety is the fact that they really haven't had enough officers um, to to watch the traffic that comes on. They said that used to be on a Sunday morning, as you and I both know. There's no traffic. Period. Right. At that the morning, now there's become more and more traffic because the roads aren't closed. And um, it's tough because cars just go and, you know, even when they're supposed to stop. And they're worried about the bikers. They're not worried about the runners um, or the swimmers, but they're worried about the bikers. Yeah. And the bikers got up and said, look, let us worry about ourselves. We're all, we're, profess- you know, we're, the, the, the good bikers are out at front and they know what they're doing and they know what to watch for. And the, the mediocre, you know, the people doing it for fun, they, um, they're they're all in a big group and everything. So uh, that was a, a big ballyhoo yesterday, and uh, as as it stands right now, that's on hold. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, if they wanted to, yeah. they could go out and hire some folks from Lee County, some uh, sheriff well, officers. They tried. They, they they did say that, but they they the Lee County sheriffs doesn't have the people to do for them. Now they're talking about the highway patrol that might might pitch in six or seven officers but they don't know yeah and they can't get a firm commitment on that so we'll we'll wait and um uh, uh we'll wait and we'll see what happens bill i can't thank you enough for this update locally here i mean this is just so well, helpful but it's it's just at after this is after this discussion i'm my blood pressure is up and i'm scratching my head what the heck is going on <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, imagine mine uh, last night. Uh, I mean, it was just like I, I, you know, when they adjourn. Oh, and uh, fin- finally, and I get, I get out of, I get out of your hair here. Finally, yesterday is Passover, first night of Passover, as you know. Heidman said at the beginning of the meeting yesterday, we will be out of here at three o'clock uh-huh. for Passover because they know people have to do it. Bob, it was five thirty when they adjourned yesterday. Unbelievable. <laughs> 
Bill Barnett, again, former I'll leave the, you with that. The, the greatest <laughs> mayor in the history of Naples. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a good one, Bob, and have a nice Easter, all right? Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for tomorrow, including William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Elaine Reed is the CEO of the uh, Naples Historical Society, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>